First John chapter five. First John chapter five. <clears throat> and I'm going to start at verse thirteen. Read down through verse 17. 1 John 5, verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that may know that you have eternal life, that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege that we have to open your precious word. We thank you for your mercies and your grace. Thank you that you've given us a written record whereby we can know your will, your desires, your pleasure. Help us, Father, to desire and to seek to do thy will, thy pleasure in our lives for our good and thy glory. Lord, if there's any in your midst this morning who do not have assurance of life everlasting, that they've repented of their sins and put their faith and trust in Christ as Lord and Savior, I pray that you work in their hearts and bring them to repentance and help us as your people to understand what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ and the confidence we can have in him. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, many times when talking to someone about a relationship with the Lord, you get answers like, I am trusting the Lord and talk to Him every day. What does that mean? Well, it really means they lack understanding of what salvation is. Or, I asked Jesus to save me when I was little and been going to church ever since. Or I prayed and asked Jesus to save me when I was in Bible school. Or I prayed when I was 14 and when I was 21 I wasn't sure so I prayed and got the assurance of my salvation. By the way, that's what I used to say. And I was sharing that with a veteran missionary one time and he said, uh, he said, did you get saved when you were 14? Or did you really get saved when you were 21? And I began to think about that. 14, I didn't understand much at all. But 21, I did. Salvation comes through understanding. Understanding. And God tells us in His Word that we can have confidence in our relationship with Him. We can have confidence in the Son of God. That's the title of the message this morning. Confidence in the Son of God. We can have confidence in that. But that confidence comes through understanding. Not just an emotional, well, I... I want to do this, you know. But a lot of people get get have these emotional experiences. They think they got saved when they really didn't. Um, you know, in Acts chapter ten, we have a kind of a man who believed in God, prayed and fasted before God, and even got an answer to a prayer from God. But he was lost. 
He knew there was a God. He believed in God. He prayed to that God and fasted. And even got an answer. But he was still lost. See, the answer he got was, Send for Peter, who shall tell thee what thou must do. You know, he did not have the knowledge or know the Son of God and of his death for his sin. But God wants us to know and has given us the record. We looked at that last week. The record concerning the the Son of God, the witnesses to the fact that he is the Lord Jesus Christ. And these are things we must understand to really understand what salvation is. And, And he says that we can know... You know, we can, we can know the Son of God. Notice verse 13 again. These things, so all these things about the witness and the record, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, we know the Son of God by receiving the Word of God as truth. It's not by some emotional feeling. It's by receiving the Word of God as truth, as it is a truth. In John 8, in verse 31 through 36, John chapter 8, verse 31 through 36, the Bible says this, Then said Jesus, those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Ye shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. And, and so, you know, he, he said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. In John 14, 6, he is the way, the truth, and the life. So we know the Son of God by receiving the Word of God as truth. You know, God manifested himself to us through the person of Jesus Christ. John 1, 18 tells us that, 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 that Christ, the Lord Jesus, hath declared him to the world. Uh, Rev, uh, Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2 said... God, who at sundry times and diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So, so we know God by receiving the word of God is truth. He is the word. You know, we have been taught by easy believing in the crowd that, ask, that you, ask, you, know, where, you ask this question, where do you want to spend eternity or do you want to go to heaven when you die? Do you know that question was never asked by Jesus to anyone? That wasn't a question he asked. The greatest soul winner that ever walked the face of the earth never asked, well, do you want to go to heaven when you die? You know what he asked them about? Who is God? And who is the Son? He said to the Pharisees, what did David say? The Lord said unto my Lord. Do you know what he was trying to, you know what he was asking them? Who is the Son of Man? Is he just a man? That's what he was asking. 
You know, Jesus did not have a four or five or eight step roadmap, one size fits all salvation message. He didn't have it. Because people with varying backgrounds and cultures have different perceptions of the person of God and how one can have a relationship with him. Therefore, there's no one set plan of salvation that fits everyone. Now, all the answers to those questions people have are in the scriptures. And we must know, you know, Peter says we must know how to answer every man. In other words, every man doesn't ask the same questions. Every man doesn't have the same ideas about who God is. Every man doesn't have the same idea about who Jesus Christ is. The scriptures declare who he is, and we must be able to answer every man with whatever question he has with answers from the word of God proving that Jesus is the Christ that they might believe on him. For example, when Paul preached to the Jews, he would start with Moses and the prophets and what they wrote. Why? Because the Jews believed in God and were familiar with the Old Testament scriptures. Therefore, Paul would reason with them out of the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Go to Acts chapter 17. We see this very clearly. Acts 17 and verses 1 through 3. It says, now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came into Thessalonica, where was the synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them, where? Out of the Scriptures. In other words, he's using the Old Testament Scriptures, and he's reasoning from the Old Testament Scriptures. What's he doing with the Old Testament Scriptures? He's opening, alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus... Whom I preach unto you is Christ. So he's proving, you know, the Jews believed in God. They believed they had the writings of God, the Old Testament scriptures, and that those writings told about the Messiah that would come. And so Paul would take those same Old Testament scriptures that they believed in and say, look here, here, and here, and here, and that Messiah that he's talking about is Jesus, the Christ. That's what he did with a Jew. Why? Because of their perception and what they understood about God. This is what Peter did on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and verse 32 to 36. Acts 2 and verse 32 to 36 when he says, This Jesus, you know, they believed in Jesus. They believed in the man. They would not deny that. This Jesus hath God raised up where we are all witnesses, Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. For David, he's appealing to the Old Testament Scriptures, David is not ascended to the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou my right hand, till I make thy foes thy footstool. footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ." So again, Peter is reasoning from the Old Testament Scriptures, because these are Jewish people who believe the Scriptures. He said that, that Jesus, he, he's the one that God prophesied, that David spoke of, would be Lord and Christ. But at Lystra, Paul didn't use the Old Testament Scriptures. He didn't start with, God is, and Moses wrote, and the prophets said. 
Go to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. He did use the Old Testament scripture, but he didn't start with Moses and the prophets. Acts 14 and verse 15. Acts 14 verse 15. Which when the people, of course, so they're, they, Paul has, has, by the power of God, healed this lame man, and so they're going to make a sacrifice to him, to, to him and Barnabas. And this is, what, this is how he responds. Which when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among them, the people, crying out and saying, Sirs, why do you these things? We also are men of like passion with you and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in time past suffered all nations to walk in their own way Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. So, so he starts with, hey, the God that made heaven and earth. It's by this God, the power of this God, that this miracle was performed. It's not by us. We're just men. So he started with, he started again with God created the heaven and the earth. God is the creator. He did the same thing in Athens in Acts chapter 17 and verses 1 through 3 where he says, Now when they had passed, through, um, not 17, Acts 17, 22, I'm sorry. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar in this description to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needeth anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed in the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him, and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For it's in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, we are also his offspring, or that is, we are his creation. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think of the Godhead, it's like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's devices. In the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because he hath appointed a day in which he would judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whom he hath given, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. And so, so he appeals here to again creation and God that made all men and of one blood and and you know did good and all that and. And, and has, he has appointed a, a judge, one to judge the world in righteousness, and that one would be Jesus Christ. So it don't matter what background you come from. The scriptures have the answer to how you can know who God is. This is the record. Again, there's not one size fits all. But we can know the Son of God by receiving the Word of God as truth. You know, in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says, Then they that gladly received his, what? Word. 
his word, were baptized and added unto the church. We can know the Son of God. This is the record. And if we believe the record, we can know the Son of God. But if we believe not the record, we make him a liar. And his word not in us. But God wants you and I to know the Son of God. He wants the whole world to know. So we can know. We can have confidence in knowing the Son of God. Secondly, we can have confidence in knowing. We can know we ask. We can know that we ask according to His will. Now notice verses 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of Him. So we can, we can know we ask according to His will. Again, the will of God is revealed in His Word. It's revealed in His Word. In 2 Samuel seven twenty seven, the Bible says this, For thou, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, hast revealed to thy servant, saying, saying, I will build thee a house. Therefore hath thy servant found his heart to pray this prayer unto thee. So David knew God's will because the Lord said so. This is the word, the Lord's said so. And so we can know God's will for our lives by his word. John, or Joshua 14.10 says, And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said these forty and five years, ever since the Lord spake unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. And see, Joshua is going on, or not Joshua, Caleb is going on what the Lord spake. And he's saying, God's going to give me that mountain because the Lord said so. Because it's God's will because the Lord said so. And I know it. You know, we can know the Lord's will. Numbers 3.51, Moses gave the money of them that were redeemed unto Aaron and to his sons according to the word of the Lord. As the Lord commanded Moses. Of course, we read in John 8, if you continue my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth. You know, when you stop continuing, you will stop knowing. The will of God. God's word is revealed to us as we obey it. As we take heed to it. But when you stop continuing in his word, you will stop knowing. You shall know the truth. If you continue in my word. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. You know, I fear the hardest part is not knowing the will of God. The hardest part is an unwillingness to do it. And when there's an unwillingness to do it, we will not know. Therefore, we do not perceive it or understand it. John seven seventeen says, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. So there has to be a willingness to do 
for, a per, for us to understand. This is the key to understanding. There must be a yieldingness to the witness of the Spirit of God who gives understanding. You know, I have had, I remember Brother Dave and I sat right here. I sat here in chairs and, and they sat right there in the front row. And Dave and I were sitting here and we went through the salvation Bible study with, with some people. And it was like they heard it all. They had no questions about it. They, they said it was, it was very plain. But you know what there wasn't, was missing now that I think about it? There was no Holy Spirit conviction. They didn't perceive, understand really what they were facing. And by following up after them, I came to this conclusion because there was no willingness to do it. There's no willingness to do it. They didn't want to do it because it required a change in lifestyle. And they didn't want to do it. And there was no Holy Spirit conviction. You see, if we're going to, it's the Spirit of God that gives understanding, and there must be a willingness, a yieldedness to that Spirit for us to have understanding. You know, John 3. 3, 5 says we must be born of the water and of the Spirit. It's the Spirit that quickeneth, the Spirit that gives life, and there must be a yieldedness to the, the Spirit of God for us to have understanding. You know, most of Israel accepted the fact that Moses was the leader, the lawgiver, the prophet, and Aaron was the high priest because God said so. He did not say to, to, to uh, Korah, you are not. No, he said... Moses is and Aaron is. You know, Isaiah 30 verse 21 says, Thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it. When God says, word says, do this, he does not go on and on saying, Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, and don't do this, and don't do this. He just says, This is the way, walk in it. See, God said to Moses about the money that was given, uh, it was to be given to be distributed by the Levites. That's just how it was supposed to be done. He didn't say, well, it can't be done this way, it can't be done this way, it can't be done. He just said, it's, you give it to the Levites. And, G, and the Lord is saying to us, look, this is the man, the God-man. This is he. This is the way. You see, we can know. We are, and, we can, and, and we can know the will of God, and we can know we are saved by the word of God. Again, let's, let's read these three verses together. These things have I written to you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, what's where we ask? We know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. We, have a, we can have assurance of salvation because not, uh, because, uh, not because of what we have done, but by what we have received. These are written that ye may believe. You believe, like repentance, is something that's done in the mind. However... Believe, like repentance, demonstrates itself with acts. 
See, the children of Israel that believed God said, let's go up and take the land. The children of Israel that didn't believe God said, oh no, we can't do that. You see, the children who believed acted on that belief. It all, there's always an action that follows. There's an action. Luke 1.45, Bible says, And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which are told her from the Lord. Speaking of Mary, of course. In Acts 8.12, But when they believed Philip, preaching things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. They were baptized. And uh, they were baptized. Uh, both men and women. Acts 18.8, And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord with all his house, and many of the Cretans hearing believed and were baptized. Mark 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. You see, there's, to, to, to Bible belief means that you know, it is, it's something that happens in the mind, but there's an action that goes along with it. Just like Repentance. And salvation, and of course to believe is to receive his word, Acts 2.41, and salvation is according to his word. Except ye repent, ye shall all eyes perish. Did you repent toward God? Did you change your mind about God, his holiness, his justice, and his son who is Lord of all? Did you, did you change your mind about your sin, realize your condemnation before him? Do you accept the death of the Son of God for your sin? You realize that your sin and mine was the reason he was crucified? Well, no, those Jews did it. No, and, and the Romans did it. No, no, no. It was the determinate counsel of God for the purpose of saving your soul and mine. That is why Jesus Christ was crucified. It wasn't because the Pharisees hated him. He could have destroyed the Pharisees with snapped his fingers. And Pilate even wanted to release him, but he was persuaded by the Pharisees. You know, he could have been easily persuaded to let Jesus go. If Jesus would have set up his defense like a top-notch attorney. Do you think he got crucified? No, it was... No, what I'm saying is it was by the determinate counsel of God that he was slain. Because God loved you and I. And you and I can know that we are saved... We can know God's will in this matter. We can understand everything about this if we receive his word, through his word. We can know the Son of God and know we have life, the life of God in him. He is the Christ. He is the Son of God. In John 4, in dealing with the Samaritan woman, she said, when Christ cometh, he will show us all things. And Jesus said, I am he. See, her salvation was dependent upon who she believed Jesus was and her trust in him thereby. He said, I am he. And she went away at that saying. 
and then went and told all the people in Samaria, come see a man that told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? She declared him. Why? She believed him. She received him. The eunuch, the eunuch said, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And Philip baptized him. See, we can know the Son of God and know we have the life of God in him by the record God has given to us. We have confidence in that. We can also know the conditions to answer prayer. Notice verse 15. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So we can know the conditions to answer prayer. If we know what the will of God is, we can pray for it, and God will bring it to pass. We can have confidence in that. Again, verse 15. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask. Let's read verse 14. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, it is his will for you to be saved. And if you ask it according to his will, according to the revealed word, to save your soul, he will save your soul. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, and you repent of your sin. You can have confidence in that. That's according to the will of God. You can also have confidence in your prayers. If you ask according to his will. And we know, if we know that he hears us, what's what we ask, we know that we have the position, petitions we desired of him. So if we know what the will of God is, we can pray for it, and God will bring it to pass. You know, Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. The key there is not the desires of thine heart. The key is to delight yourself in the Lord. In other words, you're delighting in God's will for your life. Now, humanly, that's not always pleasant. There are afflictions in life. But you're praying and desiring God's will, not your own. So we need to delight ourselves. That's a condition of prayer. Delight ourselves in the will of God, in the pleasure of God. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If there's sin in my life that I'm unwilling to let go of and not to confess, God will not hear our prayers. We must forgive those who sin against us or we will not be forgiven. Matthew 6 tells us that. You know, a prayer that is always God's will is for, God's people, or for God's people is, is for lost sinners to be saved. Now, that doesn't automatically mean every person you pray for is going to get saved. Because you're dealing with their will, too in that matter. But it is God's will. 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 3 through 5, the Bible says this, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, for not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is always the will of God to pray for sinners to be saved.
but they have to surrender their will. God will not violate their will. Save them. That's where Calvinism comes in. But we can know. We can know that we ask according to his will. Now, it's a little interesting as you study prayers in the Bible. Elijah prayed that it would not rain. Think about that. Do you realize what he's doing? He's praying for God to judge his people. God to bring judgment on his people. So they would repent and turn back to God. They were going astray. Remember, he took them up on the mountain. And, and you know, he had the prophets of Baal, and, and he was there by himself. And he said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If, if God is God, serve him. If Baal is God, serve him. And they wouldn't answer him. They wouldn't answer him. So why was... That's why he was praying that it would not rain for three and a half years. And you know what? He wasn't liked because of it either. Sometimes people may ask you to pray about something and they have a certain wish or desire, but it may not be right for you to pray that way. You need to seek God's will in the matter and pray God's will be done. Not theirs. But see, we can know. God has given us his, word, his will and His Word, so we can know the conditions to answer prayer. The third thing says, we can know our sins are forgiven. Notice verses 16 and 17. It says, If any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin. There is a sin not unto death. Now, so think about this. All sin is sin. All unrighteousness is sin. Verse 17 says, and the word unrighteousness means a deed violating law and justice. 1 John 3, 4 describes sin as the transgression of the law. And a transgression is a violation of the law. It's iniquity. God calls it wicked. That's sin. And all sin is sin. And, and the, of course, the, the consequences of sin is death. The wages for sin is death. Romans 6.23 tells us. But, you know, Christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a people who zealous of good works. He died to save us from our sins. He tasted death for every man. And he died for the sins of every man. Not for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Therefore, we must trust the sacrifice of Christ for our sin. When we trust Christ as our Savior, for our sin, we receive mercy and are forgiven. We are no longer under the penalty of death. Our sin is forgiven. It's like having our slate wiped clean. We can know that and should not go around living in guilt over past sin in our life that we, we have confessed and repented of. After all, 1 John 1, 7 through 9 says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. 
If we say that we have no sin, we make him a lie. We deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. It will not be brought against you again, for he is faithful and just to forgive. The justice of God requires he forgive us when we confess, that is, agree with God about our sin, and his justice requires he forgive us on the basis of the sacrifice of his son for our sin. We're forgiven. Ephesians 1 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. And so, all sin is sin, but Christ forgives us for our sins. And we shouldn't go around feeling guilty over past sin that we confess. We shouldn't bring it up again. But you notice the second thing he talks about here, and that is the sin on death. There is a sin that can result in sudden death. Now, Notice again verse 16 and 17. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. So there are sins that you and I commit that are not sins that are going to cause us to die just like that. Or die prematurely. However, there are sins that can be committed by a child of God that can cause God to take one's life. And that is called sin, the sin unto death. What is the sin unto death? Well, is a sin committed by a saved person. Again, verse 16. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, there is a sin unto death. Talking about brethren here. We're talking about those that believe on the name of the Son of God, verse 13. So we're talking about a saved person. And from comparing Scripture with Scripture, I believe the sin and death is a self-willed, presumptuous act that contradicts the Word of God. Now, the word presumptuous means full of, characterized, or showing presumption or readiness to presume in a conduct or thought as by saying or doing something without right or permission. And we have some examples, I believe, of this in the Bible. Go to Leviticus chapter 10. And we'll go through the Bible and look at some of these. Leviticus chapter 10. Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 1. It says, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein, and put incense thereon, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord, and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. God had commanded them not to do this. You know what? They didn't take, they didn't take the command of God seriously. And they presumed that they could do this their own way. 
in the face of God. And they died. They were struck dead. Just like that. Numbers chapter 16. Numbers chapter 16. Verse 1. Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Koath, the son of Levi, and Dath and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. They rose up before Moses, a certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes with assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. They gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, and said unto them, You take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, and every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore, then lift ye up yourselves, lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord." And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face, and he spake unto Korah and unto all his company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his and who are holy, and, and will cause him to come near unto him. Even him whom he hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. This do, take ye censers, Korah, and all his company, and put fire therein, and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. It shall be that the man whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy. You take too much upon you, you sons of Levi. And Moses said unto Korah, I... Here, I pray ye, the sons of Levi, seemeth it but a small thing unto you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord, and stand before the congregation to minister unto them. And he hath brought thee near to him and all thy brethren, that the son of Levi with thee, and seek ye the priesthood also, for which cause both thou and all thy company are gathered together against the Lord, and what is Aaron that you murmur against him? And Moses sent to call Dath and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, which said, what they say? We will not come up. We will not. You know what, you know what they're saying? We're not going to consider this. We're not going to consider this. We have made up our mind, and we're not going to listen to you, Moses. Basically what it's saying is we don't care what the Lord said. This is what we believe and this is what we're going to do. And it contradicted the clear choosing of God. Acts chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. Acts chapter 5 and verses 1 through 5. Says a certain man named Ananias was fire and his wife sold a possession, kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came in all them that heard these things. And it goes on about his wife as well. So this was an attempt to bring sin into the young church. Now, did he know it wasn't all of it? Obviously, he knew. He knew. Yet, he presumed on the mercy of God, and God shortened his life. First Corinthians chapter 11 also speaks of this in verses 26 to 31 where the Bible says there, For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye show the Lord's death till it come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord of the, 
cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. And the word sleep is the same word used in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, talking about those who have died. So there were people at Corinth, in the church of Corinth, who had died because they had corrupted they were, they were, what they were doing, what the, this passage is about is they are causing division in the church of Corinth by the food they bring in and not sharing it with the poor and making glutton of themselves in the house of God and then partaking of the Lord's Supper, which is to unify the body. So they were corrupting and causing division. Hebrews 10, 26-31, I believe, also speaks of this. And, and, uh, and here, in this passage, it is referring to those who are, again, uh, attempting to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And that's what this passage is about. Verse 26 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. So we're to consider one another provoking love, love and good works, not forsaking ourselves together as a man of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as to see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after that we receive the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and firing in the nation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law, and here's the presumption, they despise the law. They don't care what the Bible says. See, these Jews were saying, you know what? It's getting hard to live this Christian life. I'm going back to the temple. I'm going to forsake the church. And they were encouraging people to forsake the assembling of themselves together and provoking one another to love and good works. And he says, look, if you sin willfully, what does First John say? There's a sin not in death, and if we pray for it, How's the wording there? If any man see a brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. You know, those that persist in their presumption, we're to let go. This was an attempt to destroy the church for which Christ died and go back to temple worship and the law of Moses. David Sorensen said this in his commentary, quote, There come times in God's inscrutable judgment. The word inscrutable has the idea of something we can't really comprehend, quite comprehend. Whereby he deems it necessary to directly remove a person to eternity, whatever their destiny may be. Short of such sin, John counsels to pray for an errant brother that might be restored. However, if it is clear that God is dealing with a person with a sin unto death, John's counsel is don't pray for such a one. It would seem, however, in the greater context of Christian experience, that the sin unto death is a rare event. And I, I believe that is true. It seems that God so dealt with individuals when bringing serious damage to his work, unquote. So God in his infinite wisdom exercises his judgment for his purposes and glory. And it, 
And, and, and one other thing I will say about this, it's certainly presumptuous to think that, that about the, or this about every case of an untimely death of a, of a believer. Just because a person dies untimely doesn't necessarily mean all they sinned unto death. We have to be aware of that. But there is a sin unto death. You see, we can know the will of God, and a sin unto death is knowing the will of God and walking in presumption and contrary in self-will against it. Did Korah and Datham and Abiram not know that God had appointed Aaron the high priest? Everybody else did. Did they not know that the Lord had sent Moses to lead the children of Israel out? Everybody else did. The reality is they knew. They just felt like they had a right to share in that position that God gave to someone else. They were not satisfied. By the way, they were Levites. They served in the temple. But they weren't satisfied with what God gave them. And in self-will, therefore, they rebelled against a clear command that God had given. That, was a, that is a sin on the death. Again, it is a rare event, but it does happen. So we can know. We can know what God's will is. We can know what God's will is in salvation and know how to be saved. Because we have the record. If a person's having trouble with their salvation, they need to, go, need to go to the Bible and let the Bible examine them. If you want to know how to pray, you need to go to the Bible and, and find out what the will of God is. And how God's people prayed in the scriptures. What Jesus said about prayer. It's all revealed in the word of God. See, we can't have confidence in these things. Because we have the record that God has given us. And having that confidence, we can go forth and share that with others who need to know about the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have that confidence in him? You can examine the record.